All right, good people, we are back. You should see a familiar face, a good old Megan Landris. How are you doing today, my friend? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? <laughs> um, fantastic. I love how, so we were just chit-chatting, but that was a little bit of radio voice you just gave me right now. I didn't. I don't know if I heard that. <laughs> hey, when the record goes on, so does That's my right. radio voice. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, and historically, as you know, we've been able to um, meet with Megan and learn from her in regards of just how to navigate student loans. It is, uh, I would say, the Achilles heel of this generation for sure. Um, but there's also been a lot of moving parts, um, specifically around the pandemic. And so recently, just like I, I believe the last time, um, there was news sent out, shout out to uh, Megan and her team on sending out emails whenever there was an update. Um, but there was a lot of good information in the update. I'm like, all right, we got to get this to the people. So um, mm -hmm. as we can see here, we, we've been able to convene virtually uh, to discuss specifically PSLF. And that is mm -hmm. the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Game Plan. So mm -hmm. before we get into some of the major announcements, can we just like 30,000 foot overview? This actually may be the first time someone is listening to us talk about the public service loan forgiveness. Can you just give 30,000 foot overview what it is and how folks uh, and, and the type of people that need to be thinking about it? Yes. Yeah. So public service loan forgiveness or PSLF for short is for public servants. So folks who are working in a nonprofit 501c3 designation is usually key there or a government entity. So federal, state, local, tribal, city, uh, usually school teachers fall in this bucket pretty easily. Um, you know, even healthcare professionals fall in this bucket pretty easily because a lot of hospital systems are nonprofit. Um, so this program will forgive one's loans after making 120 qualifying payments. And there's been some adjustments to that, which we'll get into today. But Generally speaking, we have to have federal student loans. We have to be working full time as a public servant in one of these entities. And we have to be paying our loans on an income driven plan. And if we do that for 120 payments, whatever balance is left over on that that loan will be forgiven and it's tax free forgiveness. So that okay. shakes out to be about 10 years if we were completely consistent with payments. Okay. 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 Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's very helpful. And, and of course, just the, the different groups that were shared. So it may be nurses that you may know, there could be some educators that you may know, even if you don't know their situation, who their employer is, at least share this information with them so they can start identifying if they fit this type of forgiveness. Um, uh, and then as well. Uh, so, all right, real quick. So we have, there is a specific type of loan, right? Mm -hmm. and that needs to be, then there is a, uh, the income payment plan that has to be alignment. Then there is the type of employment that I have here. And then of course, mm -hmm. the number of payments. So would you say those would be the four elements that one can start unpacking? Yes. Yeah. And full-time with employment. So that's okay. kind of like mm. part to that uh, employment side of it. Yeah. <laughs> so part-time does not, is not eligible unless you're part-time at two different entities that, that qualify, which I do see happen where someone's part-time as, you know, in, in a clinical setting and then part-time in academia, maybe something like mm. that. So that, that sometimes works out as long as the hours together add up over 30 a week, then we're eligible between the two different employers. But most people just have one employer. 
and they need to be full-time by the employer's definition of full-time. Okay. Okay. That's really good to know. Really good to know. And with the type of loan, and and these are direct loans, that's the type of loan that they... They need to be direct loans going forward. Okay. Yes. Okay. And the okay. waiver that we'll get into addresses if the loan has not been a direct loan historically, but going forward, they need to be a direct loan. And you can change your loan code by doing a consolidation, which mm. is not refinancing. So it's not taking the loan to a private company, but it's combining it within the federal system. Um and it converts it into a direct consolidation loan, which is then eligible for for PSLF. So can you give a quick example? So let's say we role play and and if, let's say you share some of the uh, profile characteristics that would say, all right, I'm, I may need to look at consolidating these loans that I have. What, what would be let's you know, if you say, all right, this is the type of employment that they are uh, that they're operating in, you know. You don't have to give an income, but if you could explain the profile of someone that says, I may need to look at consolidating these notes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I think this this can be narrowed down pretty easily to someone if, if you need to figure out if you need to consolidate. So the wrong types of loans were only issued before 2010. So if you are uh, had been borrowing loans for school, undergrad or graduate school, before 2010, it's worth taking a look at your loan file to make sure that you have the right loans because you might have what's called FFEL loans, which stands for Family Federal Education Loans or Perkins Loans, mm. which these two loan types don't exist anymore. They don't issue these loans anymore, but they did a lot before 2010. And so if you borrowed before then, that's maybe a good indicator that you need to look into this. Um, and, and look into consolidation to cor correcting that loan code going forward. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. Really good to know. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So the, wow, the pandemic has been very interesting, um, mm -hmm. uh, depending upon uh, what side of the table you sit on, but specifically with the student loans, there's been, um, I would say some Tootsie rolls and some some fist pumps. Like, are you telling me I don't have to make a payment? Right. Yeah. So, like, can you can you give an update on how the pandemic impacted the way student loans have been? Um, uh, we'll just say how they've been handled. Those payments have been handled, and mm -hmm. um, some of the potential benefits for those that have student loans for our, in regards for our audience. Yeah. So the federal student loans have been on pause due to the COVID pandemic since March of 2020. And what that means for people is that they have not been required to make payments. Their payments were automatically shut off and they're in this kind of administrative forbearance environment and they shut down interest. So interest mm -hmm. is now down to zero percent. Um, so people pursuing forgiveness, how that's still impactful is these months during the the payment freeze count towards forgiveness as if you are making payments, but you're not required to. And so this is saving people lots of money by just not having to make payments to to be eligible for the forgiveness. Um, and that's continuously been extended right now. This is going to expire August 31st, 2022. Okay. I think there's reason to believe that they'll push it past August 31st into 2023. So there's a long period of time where we're getting free credit towards uh, forgiveness that people can be taken advantage of. <laughs> wow. Wow. So March of 2020, 
So it's essentially mm -hmm. been, you know, two years, right, of, yep. of not, you know, the pause of the payment um, yeah. and then the freezing of the interest, um, which is a, a huge benefit. So ultimately, those that may qualify for the forgiveness, that would reflect, uh, I guess, 24 payments as credits that mm -hmm. they would not have to, again, just assuming if it's in between March of 2020 and March of 2022 and it seems like all the way through august they'll be able to include those additional months or credit those additional months as payments even though they, they haven't had to make a payment yep exactly so as long as we've been full-time in public service um during this environment then yes you'll see 20 basically 24 payments credited right now maybe 25 yeah 25 payments um and then yeah continuing on into august we have you know, almost two and a half years of free credit. Mm. And so this is huge for a lot of people because usually right. it's about 10 years of payments. But if we cut it down by a fifth of the time or like a fifth <laughs> of the cost, you know, it's really saving people a lot of money. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. That's a really, really good point. Is So there's been some transitions with, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about teachers specifically, Mm -hmm. So teachers, they may transition out of the school system and say, hey, I'm actually going to work at this, you know, publicly traded company. Things have changed. Do they have to be employed in that area to still apply? Let's say they may have done eight years. And I, I'm, I'm not too sure. But like, do they have to be employed with that particular entity to still apply for forgiveness? Or how, how does that work in regards to the application process? The original rules, yes, we, if we have, so let's say we made 120 payments working as a school teacher, but then we quit on the, the 120th day and we went to a, a private sector industry. Right, right. Great. You made the 120 payments, but the original rules say that we have to still be employed by that public service entity at the time of forgiveness. And sometimes it takes them a couple months to issue the forgiveness um, talking about the government here. So <laughs> it takes a little <laughs> bit of time. Um, during this waiver period though. So right now is a unique situation where back in October, they announced this big executive order and it has, uh, loosened the rules on some of the eligibility requirements for PSLF right now. And <clears throat> that same situation, um, if we were getting loan forgiveness, we made 120 payments today, or like we got to the 120th month, right. we quit our job, we went and applied for forgiveness, we would be able to still get loan forgiveness without having to be employed right there, or there still, up until October 31st, 2022. That's when this waiver expires to where some of these rules are loosened to where normally we would have had to stay until we got the forgiveness. But during this waiver period, there's a little bit more flexibility there. Interesting. So let's say, and I'm 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 role playing. Um, so let's say someone was uh, employed for eight years, right? Mm -hmm. And they made that transition before that 120th payment, mm -hmm. and they see the update and the flexibility. Um, is, is there a window for them to say, Hey, um, I'm going to change my employer and try you know, is, is there, is there a window there? I'm trying to think about those that may get caught straddling yeah. the fence. Um, is there a window of opportunity? Um, in a sense. So let's say you left public service, but you know, and, and when you do that, then our payments are no longer counting towards this program. We, we still make, you know, income driven payments or we can, 
but they're not counting towards the 120. So if we left with no intentions of ever coming back, we're not going to get the loan forgiveness. If we left, but we end up coming back into public service at some point. So let's say we took a one year detour um, or a couple year detour, but we find ourselves back in a public service capacity then we can pick back up where we left off with our payment count before we left. Um, mm. That's always been the case. So if we had eight years of payment credit, we went private sector for a year, then we come back into public service, then we pick back up with eight years and we continue working towards the 120 from there. Okay. 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 That's good to know. And so also hearing that, it sounds like the, the duration of your employment and the payments don't have to be consecutive. Right. Don't have to be consecutive. Don't need to be the same employer. Okay. Uh, it's really just about the payment count and checking all of those boxes at the same time to get to 120. Okay. 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 So with this, this waiver and some of this flexibility, um, before you get into, you shared part of the update with the uh, um, going back to October or August. Mm -hmm. um, how does how does one check their situation? I, I think we I may mm -hmm. have sped past the, the the initial question of all right, where does one go? Up? What like what website do they go into? How does one mm -hmm. say oh, okay? What do I have? What's going on? Yep. Tell me about that. Best place to go would be studentaid.gov, which is the Department of Education's kind of hub for all things federal student loans. So you can log in, or if you haven't logged in in a while, you can reset your account. Um, it'll pull up a list of your loans and it'll tell you exactly what you have. And um, if you're curious about your employer being eligible, you can go through, they have a PSLF help tool within studentaid.gov that you could type in their EIN number, which you could just okay. grab from your W-2 that you just got. Right. And it'll tell you right off the bat if that employer is eligible or not. And it also does a good job of kind of taking you through, um, it'll identify the eligibility requirements and it'll identify if you, if it looks like you have the wrong loans. So that, that can be a helpful tool if you're just lost and you need a place to start is go to studentaid.gov, look at the PSLF help tool, and that can get you going in the right direction. Okay. Perfect. 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 Hopefully everyone was able to uh, knock that down, get that written down, and of course, visit the website. <laughs> um, I know that student loans can be a bit, it could it could paralyze you from making some steps, but I, this information mm -hmm. that we're hearing now, I'm, I'm hopeful that we will get feedback from our audience of those that say, hey, I actually, this was very helpful, and now I don't have to make mm -hmm. X amount of payments. So this is very, very good. So yesterday we got an email that says there was mm -hmm. a huge announcement um, and part of that was the, uh, and I'm, I'm leaning on this email to guide this part of our conversation, because this is where the expert continues to shine. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so there is this, the ending of the forbearance steering. Tell us mm -hmm. what that is, you know, and how this is beneficial for those that may, um, that may, uh, apply for the PSLF. Yep. Yeah. And this, this interestingly is about not just PSLF folks, but anybody who's on an income driven plan. And okay. in some of our previous videos, we've talked about how there's public service loan forgiveness for those working in public service. Um, but there's also the income driven loan forgiveness. So if we're just on the income driven plan, we're in private sector, but we pay on that income driven plan for either 20 or 25 years depends on the plan that you're on. 
then whatever balance is left over at the end of that time frame is forgiven as well without requirements of em like employer or industry, like working within a certain industry. So that's another forgiveness opportunity. That's and the huge updates that came out uh, a couple of days ago from Congress was uh, there's been two big problems. R really just kind of if you boil it down, there's been two big problems with loan forgiveness in the student loan system. Um, one has been, um, uh, so I'll kind of boil it down to maybe, I don't want to say miscommunication because I don't know if that's the right <laughs> word, but just right. servicers not being helpful. I will say mm, that. I think that's that is, kind of what it comes up to. <laughs> you, that is, um, ladies and gentlemen, she was very nice on how she <laughs> right. articulated that. So I, I, I appreciate it. So that's, that's a great way yep. of, of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So servicers are contractors that the Department of Education hires to manage your loans because they're owned by the government, but your government officials are not going to be managing them. They hire a company to do that for them. And so the servicer is who con connects with you on payments and loan management and tracks those payments and helps you, you know, answer questions, things like that. Right. Historically, the servicers have been horrendous at this. <laughs> I'll just yeah. say that. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's a big reason for this PSLF waiver, because I think a lot of people were unaware of the technical, the technicalities of being eligible, like having right. to have the right loans or having to be on the right repayment plan. Right. The waiver is fixing that historically. So now people who, who maybe had ineligible payments because of those reasons can now go back and get credit for those payments towards PSLF. So that's been really huge. Um, wow. So what was announced the, the other day was that they're making two big or, or taking two big steps. The Department of Education is taking two big steps to continue to kind of right some wrongs that have happened. And uh, one, one other wrong, I guess, underneath the servicers umbrella is that historically they have been steering people into forbearance instead of offering information about income-driven plans or mm. helping navigate repayment. Forbearance, what that means is they, they put you into a loan status that does not require you to make payments. And if someone's calling because they can't afford their payments or you know they're, they're confused about their options and they get thrown into forbearance, that's a really quick and easy thing for the servicer to do to get you off the phone. And what disservice it does to people is income-driven plans are designed to be based off of your income and help make the payment affordable. Right. And if they don't take the time to explain how or like get, get that calculated for you to know like what that payment would be and they just shove you into forbearance, then those forbearance months don't count towards forgiveness of any kind. And mm. so we, we lose out on time, unfortunately. Right. And interest accrues when we're in forbearance. So if, and this, this is also relevant to people who were not, you know, um, well, at, at the, it's relevant to anyone who's been on an income driven plan because forbearance right. just, it halts forgiveness overall. And so the right that they're correct or the, the wrong that they're correcting. I mean, um, one announcement yesterday or the other day was that they're going to go back and now count certain extended forbearance periods where if someone was in forbearance 
for over a year or the cumulative of 36 months, which is the max that someone can be in forbearance for, they're going to give people credit for that time frame towards forgiveness. And mm. that's really huge. And, and they're right. being not picky about it either. I, I think they're going to go back through they're, We're still waiting on some clarifying details here, but who this is relevant to is, is if you were someone who, you know, put your loans into forbearance right after school or for right. an extended period of time at any point during your loan period or loan repayment. And we, you know, we lost out on forgiveness time because of that, either because we didn't know that that's what would happen or we were in a rough financial spot or the servicer just pushed us into forbearance, then it's, it's, we're potentially going to have more credit towards forgiveness. So that, that yeah. was really huge. Um, yeah. But does that make sense how I explain that? that? That makes, that makes a ton of sense. And I, and I'm thinking about, I remember um, even prior to the pandemic, we've had clients that ran into financial issues and they were speaking with, uh, we'll just say the the company that starts with an N. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the things that was, you know, that pushed them to their decision was they were like, yo, just go into forbearance, right? And yeah. the clients I'm thinking about are clients that would actually qualify for PSLF. Mm -hmm. And and I think the um, trust that has been um, impressed upon these agencies and these servicing entities, um, you know, you feel like they got their, your best interests in mind, right? And so I think mm -hmm. this is this is a really good wrong that they're writing, um, especially if you know that you, you know, gone into forbearance at some point um, and you need to get a second opinion on, all right, how does, you know, should have this been, you know, corrected? So when you say they are going to, and I know more news is going to come out, is it like partial, like, hey, we're going to do X amount or is it kind of like dollar for dollar? Um, so I, to be determined, I think there's yeah. it, there's a level, what they're looking for is the time, the time amount yeah. spent. And we're not going to have to pay for this credit. It's just going to be given to us um, for, for those time periods. So they're, basically their announcement said that they're going to be going through uh, doing this one time like overhaul basically of, of repayment mm. history. And they're going to be giving people credit for these extended forbearance timeframes. And we're going to start seeing that towards the end of this year and early 2023. Okay. And um, this brings me to the second big announcement yesterday, okay. which uh, another huge problem we've had. So first was servicers in general, you know, just not being helpful with repayment, pushing right. us into forbearance. Um, or not helping with PSLF, for example, uh, right. which that that was addressed back in October. Uh, but the second thing is not knowing where you are in forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like, how far are you towards the twenty or twenty-five year timeline to forgiveness, or how are you? How far are you towards PSLF? So they've already done what's called a PSLF payment tracker, which helps people who are pursuing PSLF to know and identify how close they are to forgiveness and what months counted and what months didn't. Um, so that was a great update. Uh, that was back in, I think, 2020, I want to say, maybe 2019. But That's there was true. no way to figure out how far you were in the income-driven forgiveness, no easy way. And so they're going to be implementing a tracking process for the income-driven plans as well that's more transparent 
and that's more real time. So people know how far they are along with that as well. And that's going to roll out. Sounds like early 2023, which I am stoked about. <laughs> I think that's going <laughs> to bring so much clarity to people. <laughs> right, right. Wow. Quick, so quick history question. When did when did they establish the PSLF in the, in the IDR um, mm -hmm. opportunities? When, when did that, what year was that? PSLF started uh, October 2007, and Income Driven has been around for a while. Uh, the first plan was in the 90s. It was called Income yeah. Contingent Repayment. Then Income Based Repayment came about in, I think, 2009, maybe a little sooner. And then Pay came about in 2016, mm -hmm. and Repay came about, no, Pay came about in 2014, Repay was 2016. So they've all, these different Income Driven plans have come out at different times, which also makes student loan repayment very confusing because you're trying to figure out which which income-driven plan to go on. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation. <Nice. laughs> but yeah, so they're, they're not brand new though. So right. that's what's kind of frustrating is they're not brand new. People have credit towards these forgiveness timelines and there's just been no way to track it historically, which has been right. difficult for people to plan off of and to to feel confident yeah. in their plan you know that's right that's right that's exactly right and the 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 government did they make a change with the service providers over the last couple of years like was there was there a shift there mm -hmm. yep and so uh some of the things that have already happened in the past couple of years uh so uh granite state was one servicer that stepped down and their their accounts got moved over to to other servicers um, another big one was Navient, who may oh. have been that that ugly word you were talking about earlier. <laughs> Navient. They, uh, they were the most, I think, disliked servicer and probably the worst. Yep. I mean, yep. they're all there. There's low. There's a low bar there. But yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so they, they stepped down already. Fed loan servicing is next. They're stepping down at the end of this year. So the, the big like jumbo companies that are still managing and servicing student loans, one is Mohila. So Mohila is who's responsible for PSLF going forward. Fedloan yeah. is still processing PSLF paperwork, but Mohila will be taking over in 2023. Mm -hmm. Then there's Nelnet. That's another big one. Uh, Great Lakes is yep. another big servicer. Um, and then there's a few other smaller ones like Ed Financial. Um, there's, let's see, I'm trying to remember the others. I think that's, I think that's about it. I'm probably missing yeah. one, but those are the jumbo ones that you you would know about. Okay, and and with the change, you know, so if someone had a Navient um, or Navient was their service provider, they're they're they are sending out notifications on, hey, this is your new service provider, is that mm -hmm. something they have to go online and find? So, or just be on the lookout via mail? Yeah, mail or email, they are getting okay. notices. So this is why it's really important to have your contact information updated in studentaid.gov because they rely on that contact info to give you updates on where your loans are and who's holding them and what, what you need to be doing with your loans. <sighs> Every, every time you always drop so much free jewelry. That is so good. <laughs> free so, jewelry. I like that. <laughs> that is so good to know. Um, so one of the things, and this is a really a an asterisk question, um, um, and we see this all throughout the country with the shortages around for the teachers, and uh, and some of that is you know could be 
income based, but also some of that is like, hey, I don't I don't know if I'm if I want to um, have that income considering the, the the amount of loans that I have to pay off. Right. And so mm. in order for their income to increase, they need more school. Right. So you want more money or are we going to need a master's degree? You want this, mm-hmm. you know. And so do you see this posturing of the government specifically around the um, PSLF? as a, a potential recruitment tool for more teachers to come into the workforce or what, what's your what's your thoughts around that it's a good question um i think i think there's a lot of focus on the symptom of this whole student loan issue and, and student loans are the symptom of a bigger problem and the yeah. b- bigger problem is cost of attendance cost of going to school and we've talked a lot yeah. about this i know even offline right. Right. um but I do, I think this is to reverse the narrative about how, how this program was designed to work because it was designed to be a benefit to public servants because public servants do, they are public servants. They, right, they right. don't usually make as much as maybe someone in private sector would make income wise. Um, in the same profession, uh, teachers, I know it's sometimes kind of hard to go privately, you know, as a teacher, but, um, attorneys are a great example of this. So attorneys working at the DA or as, as a DA or working in a government or nonprofit setting, their income potential is a lot lower than, and and a lot, it's not going to grow as fast. Um, there's not a lot of upward movement as there would be in a private practice, or a yeah. big law firm, for example. Lifestyles are different. You know, yeah. government work is more nine to five. Like you shut off your computer, you go home. Um, <laughs> I know there are some some positions that may still not be like that. Right. But um, pay, pay discrepancy is there. But an attorney who goes to the same exact school, sitting next to like the same classmate in every class, borrowing the same amount of loans you know, there's less ability of that lower income person to, to be able to pay off the loans at the same rate that someone in big, big law could pay them off right. at. So right. public service loan forgiveness was an incentive to still go get that higher ed degree, still further your career with education, but be able to commit to public service and not have their loans kind of dictate that decision. Um yeah. And yeah, so I I think in a sense, yes, maybe that's what I, but I think they're honestly just trying to um, (laughs) get the reputation back for the program because so many people lost hope or faith in it. They, you know, I got on the phone with many people who were completely eligible for the program, but had totally lost faith in it and decided they were just, they were going to pay it off instead, Um, which doesn't have to be the case. I think fear does a lot of really, you know, sad things. <laughs> it yeah. can't yeah. It's your right. financial situation. Right. And so I understandably, I understand why people are, are, you know, scared of the program. And I think this is trying to help reverse the narrative of it. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And, and another reason why we need you, um, because, <laughs> you know, as you mentioned, the fear and you combine that with the misinformation, right? So folks are seeing yeah. the Forbes article and like, man, 98%, oh, yeah. right? And so, there's information out there that um, could have triggered some of the some of their emotions, and so as long as you can ha- get proximate to a professional, pay for a professional, and 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 make sure that 
you have a clear understanding of your situation and also the opportunities. That's and that's why we're super grateful to to tap into you um, and allow you to drop so much free jewelry today during our, <laughs> during our call. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is this is this is very helpful. I, as as always, I always want to make sure that our audience has a chance to connect with you. So if you do mm -hmm. have student loans, and um, let's say you work in the public sector, you may be an educator, you may be a district attorney, whatever it may be. You're like, look, I need someone to look at my situation specifically, and I would mm -hmm. like to speak with Megan. What's the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, website is financialcoachmegan.com. Um, we could set up an introduction call to make sure that your situation is something I can help with. Um, usually any student loan situation is something I can help with. Uh, there's some oddball things that maybe not, maybe I'd refer you to like a student loan attorney, but, uh, when it comes to repayment, I'm your girl. Um, so you could find me there. And then of course, you know, chat with Isaac, he'll connect us too. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm always happy to be like the student loan plan. Oops. My ear, my, uh, earbud fell out, but always happy to be the, um, student loan planning component to the the financial mm -hmm. plan that you would build for for your clients too so um i'll be that expert in that that one area that no one likes to to talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you and you do a great job you do a great job and i think um and for, and for our audience that may be listening financialcoachmegan.com and megan is, is spelled m-e-a-g-a-n dot mm -hmm. com so make sure you type that in and say man i didn't even know you should find it out you know so, uh, or just google go. it. it it'll it'll definitely pop up or send us a note um any any lasting comments before we we head on out and get to the rest of our day any any thoughts comments or um uh don't pay for your student loans with bitcoin anything what, what you got <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah gosh Last comment I'll say is just, you know, I know the student loan, student loans in general are very overwhelming. And even this conversation still like maybe as approachable as I might think it it was might still be overwhelming for you. And, and that's OK. Um, but I think avoiding looking at your loan situation or avoiding making sure that you're on the right track the it can only lead in negative things. It's only right. going to cost us more time cost us right. mental energy because we're not thinking about it or, or we're continuing you know, to kick the can down the road. Uh, it can cost us a lot of opportunity because there are a lot of really positive changes going on right now in the student loan system that expire. So if we're not mm. taking advantage of those opportunities right now before October 31st, um, we might be missing out on opportunities. So as hard as it is, I think, you know, looking this straight in the face and t tackling it head on, uh, I promise you, I really do. Like most, m almost every single scenario that someone that I've worked with, you know, someone walks into the situation thinking that uh, having some kind of idea of what their student loan situation is going to look like and what, what the result is going to be. After we do a plan, it's not as bad as they seem or uh, as they thought, and right, so right. I think the unknown is what's so scary. And so you just right. have to push past that, you know, just rip the bandaid off. Call me if you need to <laughs> call Isaac <laughs> That's right. That's right. and um, get this behind you. Because once you have right. a plan, then you don't have to think about it anymore. You just have That's to maintain right. it. You That's just right. got to right. look at the plan now and, you know, it'll be 
on its way. So that's that's, that's the last parting so advice good. I'll give. <laughs> so strong. That's strong. And 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 as you mentioned, the fact that there is um, an expiration date on some of this flexibility. Mm-hmm. So for those that are like, all right, I've been I've been deferring the, these student loans. I've been kicking it down the road. It's time to pick up the can. Right. And so like just pick it up for these next couple of months and just mm-hmm. have a concentrated effort and a goal to say, worst case scenario, I have a better understanding of my situation. There is nothing wrong with that. Right. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that even for myself, anything that I typically worry about, I need to get closer to. Right. Like something that typically causes me some um, anxiety or, or, you know, trepidation, some type of whatever, whatever it may be, that means I either need to get closer to it because there is that unknown in the distance that I need to get more clarity on. And then mm-hmm. typically once you get closer to it, you're like, you know what, it's, it's not that bad, you know? Right. So, <laughs> so really, really good feedback there. Well, Megan, of course, thank you for joining us today. Um, mm-hmm. this is really good. And, and, and nine times out of 10, we'll be calling you again. Uh, to get you back on. Um, and, uh, and, you know, as I'm thinking about it, we may do something to where we may do a live, we may schedule a date. So y'all are hearing it first. We may schedule a date and invite like teacher, a lawyer, right. And just let mm-hmm. them have like a Q and a live, something like that. Let me know. And I'll, I'll, I'll get your mm-hmm. fee as well. That's, you know, yeah. that's a lot of fun. <laughs> no, that would be uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll just kind of, you know, navigate their situation real time and see it, see how that could be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, hopefully you pick anybody listening, picked up one little thing that they can take on to, to better their situation and, that's, that's all we can hope for. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. All right, good people. As you know, um, happy whatever day it is when you're listening to this and make sure you stay planning. <laughs>